Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth commissioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Mary Lynn Colson. I'm the rector at St. Andrews by the Sea in Pacific Beach. Pacific Beach. So nice. Welcome back to the podcast, the Reverend Mary Lynn Colson. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. We're so happy to have you back. And welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. We'll be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, August 28th, proper 17. Wow. Crazy. Does that mean the summer is almost over? Yes. Yes. But not the great green growing season. It goes on and on. That's true. Mm-hmm. Proper Propers will continue into the eternity. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we are happy to be back here. We're happy to have Mary Lynn Colson on the podcast. Would you share with us uh, something about your ministry context? Tell us more about what's going on at St. Andrews in Pacific Beach. I would love to. You might hear leaf blowers and loud things in the background, and that's Pacific Beach for you. So it's loud. It's loud here. Okay. So there's lots going on at St. Andrews. One kind of I'm going to morph my ministry context, context sharing and my God sighting together. But a few weeks ago, we had, um, after church, we had a lunch for folks who are part of our welcome team ministry. So the people who on Sundays hang out outside and hand out bulletins and, you know, do all the kind of greeter and usher jobs on, on Sunday mornings. And um, we had a lot of folks come kids and grownups, which is the best part of St. Andrews. We have, our kids are just really active leaders in our church in all kinds of ways. And we had this great conversation. You know, we wanted to talk about practical things about, you know, when should you count how many people are there and like, how do we usher people for communion and boring things like that. But we actually spent the most time, most of the time talking about belonging and where Mm -hmm. in our lives outside of church, we really feel that that sense of like deep belonging and welcome. Oh, the leaf blower just stopped. Um, and I realized I was yelling. Um, so we talked about that sense of belonging. Like, where have you felt that in your life? How did you, how, what does your body feel like when you feel like you belong and are really welcomed somewhere deeply? And um, like, how do you know that you feel welcome? And then people shared these great um, re- reflections. All of the kids shared first right away because there are leaders truly in, in our faith. Anyway, um, one person, one kid shared that it's in her best friend's bedroom because she Mm. feels like they're both the same kind of weirdos. And I, I love that. Um, and somebody else said camp. A lot of kids said camp, um, that sense of belonging at camp. Um, anyway, people talked about like being in their garden, being in a movie theater because they grew up going to movies with their parents, just all these different like places of belonging. And then we talked about like how we might offer that or like pray that people might experience that when they come to church on Sunday mornings and, and ways we could kind of offer that to people. So it was just the best conversation, I think, because it was all ages of people sharing and, um, and really it was more than just kind of practical church ministry kind of 
meeting stuff. It was really like this chance to reflect like and identify places where we felt like we belonged and identify that we really long for people to feel that when they come to our church. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there are certain things we can do to offer that to people, but really we can't force anybody to have that experience. And then it's all about like letting go and inviting people into this experience of connection that we, we pray that they have, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, it was just a great conversation and I felt God really present and felt like St. Andrew's at its best in some ways. We were this it's kind of intergenerational, like sharing, time of sharing and learning and, and being hopeful and brainstorming. And, and it was just a great, great day. I love that too, because so often we'll say, oh, you're welcome here. And then the question becomes like, what does it mean to be welcome somewhere? Because yeah. really, if you are, if you feel welcome, then you feel like you belong. And so yeah. creating that language around like how, how you create that space for people to participate in a way that makes them feel whole and centered and part of everything that is happening and therefore creating belonging is fundamentally what we intend when we say welcome. Um, welcome can often more times feel like a doormat. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a doormat, mm-hmm. just a thing to walk on. If you don't feel like you yeah. belong, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, there's, I remember, um, God, what was the book? I'm not going to remember the name of the book, but it's like this book about faith formation from like the 80s. Mm. I don't know. And uh, and this and the idea that the, the author was talking about was this like flipping of how we think about belonging that like we think about faith formation as like first you like show up and you like in order to belong, belong being like the third step in the process, you have to behave a certain way. Like you have your like kind of liturgical and like tradition behaviors and then you believe a certain thing and then you belong, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but instead like flipping it. So first you belong and Mm -hmm. then that, you know, forms the behaviors and the believing. So Mm -hmm. I love that. That is such a cool idea just like this idea that and also like the way that god moves is in our feelings of belonging you know i like yeah. i like that too so beautiful yes. all right so um thank you so much for sharing and we would always love to hear from you all about your ministry context or any of your stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion and reflection uh, you can always email us. You can contact us through our website where you can also find all those faith to go resources every week based on the gospel. You can uh, send us a text message or leave us a voicemail. And you can also follow us or tag us on Instagram to share anything with us. You can find all those ways of getting in contact uh, listed in the description for this podcast episode. And now we're going to transition into our gospel discussion for this upcoming Sunday. Again, August 28th, proper seventeen. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll share a little bit of context, and then we'll each share a point. So the gospel for this upcoming Sunday is from Luke chapter 14, verses 1, and then 7 to 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. 
and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place, so that when your host comes he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. All right. What to say about this gospel? Well, we're uh, just in the next chapter from last week's gospel, which is in chapter 13. And last week we heard a story of a woman who was also described as crippled in Luke's gospel being healed in a synagogue. I think we need an update to the language of the translation for the New Revised Standard Version. And actually, just in the last maybe month, first a Lizzo song and then a couple times with Beyonce's uh, new album, there's been a lot of pushback around uh, the language of ability. But kind of these offhand terms that the that the ability community has been like, hey, this is not a thing we say anymore. And I think crippled and lame are two of those words. They at least feel like it to me. And even some more recent ones, like the Common English Bible, in this last in the in the in the Gospel from last week, described the woman as having been dis, with uh, having had a spirit of disability for eighteen years. Um, and then again, this but in this one uses the word crippled. So I don't know what the what the translators are doing. Uh, but if anybody knows of a uh, translation where they're not using, where they're using more up-to-date language for more up-to-date ability and disability language, we'd love to hear mm-hmm. about it. Um, so back to our, uh, specifically, our, our, our gospel context here. Uh, the end of that, that story from last week was from kind of the middle, like beginning to middle of chapter 13. And now we're into Luke chapter 14, the very beginning of it. So Interestingly, Luke chapter 14, those verses 2 to 6 that we skipped over, uh, was another story of Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath. So essentially, we've, we're have we kind of in the proper order because last week we heard about Jesus healing on the Sabbath, and then the story that comes right before these words from Jesus, another healing on the Sabbath. So he's really pushing that Sabbath thing pretty hard uh, in these last couple chapters, which is good to note. Something that he really does quite often. Um and so that's where we are. Luke chapter 14, the very beginning, skipping over that one story, but it's similar to the story we heard uh, last week. So it actually is kind of uh, gives us a whole picture of this first chunk of chapter 14. So that's our context. And I have the first point for this week. And my point is about Jesus, uh, what I see as Jesus being subversive, just kind of in line with these healings on the Sabbath. Um, Kind of like we heard the synagogue leader say, like, last week, uh, the synagogue leader's response was, hey, you guys, there's six other days in the week. You know, you can't pick another day. And Jesus is like, no, we can't. Sorry, sir. Can't wait another day for healing. But he does, but, you know, he's obviously healing people on other days of the week, but he seems to be really going out of his way to, to heal people 
in these like communal religious spaces, like as a witness uh, to another way of being, you know, calling people to reflect on, as we talked about last week, their priorities, how they're prioritizing or not prioritizing people and people's wellness and people's freedom. And instead prioritizing other things like ideologies or theologies or traditions or practices or superiority and things like that. So, um, so I think that is kind of like a through line that we can read into this as well, because Jesus is saying this in this long, you know, after these like embodied witnesses of that kind of subversive action and then inviting what I think as I'm reading it, a subversive action as well, because like he's still talking to those religious leaders, the people that are in positions of power. So like, I think when we, when we read this, uh, this gospel about, or this, this story that he's telling or this kind of, yeah, they call it a parable. So this parable of people being invited to a wedding banquet, uh, and like not taking the, the like best seat, you know, in case somebody else gets invited, that's better, or that should be in a better position than you. And then you have to like move. He's talking to people that are in power that are going to get the best seats, like in these communities, you know, it's like the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the leaders of the synagogues, like, so I'm just imagining this as like a subversive message to these people in power to become aware of their own power. And, and maybe also to like become aware of the limits of their power. Mm. Because, like, I just have this image of in my head of, like, God walking into this banquet and the synagogue leader having to realize, oh, man, I'm not God. I've been sitting in God's seat this whole time, and I'm not. And that is humbling. Because, like, in these, in there, there are ways in which we make ourselves godlike <laughs> because of the power we've been given in different social contexts. We make like unilateral decisions. We think we can do whatever we want. We walk into places and don't are not aware of the ways that our power and often privilege and s different parts of our identities that give us power are are operating and affecting people. And so I think, again, just like those those stories of Jesus healing people on the Sabbath were like pushback and invitations to people in power with decision making power to reprioritize to re to assess their priorities, to assess why they're doing things. I think this is an invitation to say, Hey, why are you using your power in this way? Like, why are you taking the seat of power? And imagine going to a party in this time with this group of people where the person who is always sat at the head of the table, the synagogue leader, the, you know, the religious leader in our context, it could be the, pre the, the like rector of this really, <laughs> huge parish or maybe it's the bishop or maybe it's the presiding bishop or in another context maybe it's like the pope or a cardinal or something you know like imagine that person always taking you know the lowest seat and like what kind of the person with the most power taking the seat and giving up that seat of power to somebody else and like the way that that opens up the possibility for something new to happen because mm -hmm. i think that's really what jesus is trying to get at here is like something new to emerge something novel something non-normative to happen and so he's saying why are we doing this thing on the sabbath like look at the consequences of this thing and now he's saying why are you using your power in these ways how could you use it in another way to create space for other people to have power how can you use your power to empower people 
and to create spaces for people to have power that otherwise you would be, you know, withholding from them. I was thinking also just about the general messaging and all of this, because for me, it's not how I go to a party or why I go to a party. And so some of my challenge in it was, do people go to parties this way? Like with the intention of sitting in the most important place Mm -hmm. and just really thinking about that and realizing that we all have hidden intentions and motivations that maybe we don't say aloud. Um, Maybe we don't even really say to ourselves sometimes. I think that sometimes we have things that drive within us that we don't even acknowledge are driving us. But particularly in these stories, the hidden intention is wanting the recognition. And that's what Jesus is reflecting back to these people is that by choosing that seat, your intention is honor and recognition. And what you're going to get may be the opposite of that because, you know, you came into it with this intention or motivation that doesn't represent the values that God holds for this world, that your intentions are not in line um, with the intentions of God. And I think that that carries through into the second story that we hear as well, because I'll be honest, I like to have my friends over for dinner. I think it's fun. Um, They're my friends because they're fun Mm -hmm. um, and we have mutual relationship. And so this thing about not inviting your friends or your brothers or these people over for dinner and instead inviting the poor, I think has less to do with your friends and more to do with that sneaky line that is in there in that conversation, which is in case they may invite you in return. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's reflecting back the motivations of the action. It's not that, you know, you like your friends and you want to have them over because they're fun to be with, but because you're hoping for some gain that's going to come out of it instead that you're hoping for a reciprocal reciprocal invitation at minimum Um, Or maybe that you're hoping for an invitation to something that, again, will give you that honor and recognition that was named in the first place. And Jesus this time pushes even a little harder and says that what you need to be doing, the people you need to be invited, are those people that don't have access to the table at all. Um, And he names pretty specifically who he intends in this. But I think that we could look at our own context and our own lives and we could name an entirely different group of people who are currently not invited to any of the parties or don't have a seat at the table or don't even know what the table looks like Mm -hmm. um, because we've become so exclusive in who we invite. And very oftentimes, I think that who is invited is invited because of what they can provide to you, um, what you can get out of it on the other end of it, whether that be relationship or honor or power or any of those things. And so it's a challenging, a rough mirror to hold up and to look in and to think about like what are the intentions um, behind each of these examples that were given in the scripture for today, but also what are my own intentions and motivations when I find myself in situations like this where there may be hidden power dynamics, um, where there may be limited access to resources, where there may be a history of marginalizing or silencing people. Um, what are my what are my intentions and if I don't have intentions that I've even known or recognized within myself, then how can I look more deeply to see the ways in which I'm helping those things continue? Uh-huh. What I hear kind of beneath this whole thing from Jesus is like bring, about bringing awareness 
to our own um, actions and the power we hold and the relationships we're building and the invitations we're extending. Um, and I think that can be, we can look at that in all different kind of areas of our life. You know, I think one kind of not simple, but kind of foundational way to read this is to say, Jesus is kind of casting judgment on our, the way we um, put ourselves in little bubbles of people who look the same as us and think the same as us. And, um, you know, there's all these studies right now about like the news that people consume is generally like what they're already going to agree with. Um, We're kind of in this moment where it feels like, it's hard to hear each other across difference. And um, it seems like Jesus kind of from this, from this parable or from this, the second piece, at least where he says, you know, stop inviting people who you already know, like invite people who are specifically like in a different kind of socioeconomic class than you or different, like who people whose life looks really different than yours, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of an invitation to wonder, like for each of us, do I have those relationships in my life? Do I have relationships with people who are really different from me or do I really, you know, which is very human to tend towards connecting with and continuing to connect with people who are like me. I think that's not bad, but, um, I think Jesus is kind of challenging us to look a little bit beyond our own bubbles and maybe just even to realize when we are in a bubble when we're, we're kind of excluding, like including others without even intending to, which kind of goes back to my God sighting at the beginning about our conversation about welcoming people to church. Um, you know, looking around and wondering like who is here and who is not here and why, why <laughs> are certain people here and certain people not here. And for my parish, it has, I think a lot, you know, a big, answer to that question is about race and um, demographics of our neighborhood and, um, you know, a lot to do about like cultural assumptions that we assume people are going to be able to fit when they come to our church or that people are even going to like. So I think that's maybe a piece of what Jesus is inviting us to do in a sort of second part of this um, parable you know, stop, don't just invite the people you know and the people you're related to, but there, we really have, it seems like there really is a charge to go outside of yourself, outside of your um, social kind of strata or something and, and be humbled by being in relationships with people who are different from you. Because mm-hmm. I would say when I've had, you know, the times in my life where I've been in relationships with people who are very different from me, I feel very humbled. I feel like, Oh, I don't actually know everything (laughs) that I thought, you know, I can kind of operate in my life in this kind of comfortable sphere and my work and my home and my friendships and my family. But when I'm encountered by account, you know, when I encounter someone very different from me, it's a very humbling feeling. And I think Jesus hopes for that for us, that we would be encountering difference and, and wondering more deeply so that we can, so that our assumptions are questioned and our power is questioned. And um, that, that that being in relationship um, ought to humble us 
I think is a, is a big piece of it. So, but we won't ever have that if we stay in our own safe sort of bubbles, mm-hmm. um, watching the same news that we always watch or, you know, just always being with the people we've always known. Like there is, there's some kind of action that we have to take, I think, to build, to build other kinds of relationships. So. Yeah. And a couple, a couple weeks ago, you called in with your voicemail for the Jesus bringing uh, division, not peace, talking about the Valor core book. And that's what I hear you saying is like, and her, her whole thing is like, if you, and Jesus is, if like Jesus, if Valerie Corr was going to tell the story from Jesus, she's, she would be saying like, if you just invite the people who you already know, you're not, mm-hmm. in, you're not meeting any new parts of yourself because yeah. you're just, you're just inviting people that yeah. you're just inviting the parts of yourself you already know mm-hmm. yeah. instead of like going out and finding the parts of yourself that you do not ne- yet know, which are these other people who are so different. And then thinking about mm-hmm. that story, then this kind of like puts into perspective what jesus is talking about when he's saying bringing not not peace but division mm-hmm. i think is like that party that jesus is describing where you invite all those people that are so different is going to be super uncomfortable for everyone because right. everyone is going to be learning is going to be put be like pushing on the edges of their understanding of the world all the time the whole time and so like but like when because jesus is already in a world that's divided it is divided up and so separated that people aren't with one another. And that's, so that's the, not the kind of division he's talking about. The di- kind of division he describes, he described a few weeks ago was when was like two people against three people to be against is actually be like facing one another and be in dialogue, which is a different thing than this kind of division, which is people just separated by class, race, mm-hmm. ability, uh, and so like what he's actually inviting is saying like that thing where we're divided and not talking to one another, that's stasis. That's not peace. You might be comfortable, but it's not peace. Yeah. And like, so, so what we need is like to be pushed, to be, to come up against the, like the ends of ourselves and to say, you know what? I, I'm, I can't be who I'm called to be without all these other people, you know? And so like, and that's the reward, right? That's like getting repaid. You get repaid with yourself. And so mm. you you can't be yourself without these other without other people that are totally different. And it's really uncomfortable, you know? So that's the fire part, I think. Um, okay, so that is our those are our three points for this week. Number one was mine and it was about Jesus' invitation in this parable to to examine and become aware of our own power. Uh, the way that our power operates differently in different contexts and places and becoming aware of uh, and being intentional about how we're using it uh, as these Pharisees he was talking to had so much power in this place, you know, and becoming aware of what, how they were using their power in different settings. Number two is Charlotte's and it was similar thinking about becoming aware of our intentions, why we're doing things, why we're creating these kind of social situations for ourselves and what we're hoping to get out of it. And that kind of led into number three, which is uh, Mary Lynn's point, thinking about, you know, what we do get from these interactions across lines of difference. You know, what kind of, what of ourselves emerges and we, what new parts of ourselves we meet when we meet new people that are different from us. And what is it about the, the kind of places we inhabit, the communities we inhabit, and that when we look around them, they're kind of 
homogenous in a lot of ways. What is it about those places that is creating a barrier for entry for people who are not, you know, who are not there? And how does the witness of that person, their kind of embodied witness of what it is to be a human being, change the way our communities function? So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear any of your points or questions or comments or stories from your week of faith uh, discussion and reflection from this week. We'd love to hear from you in any of those ways listed uh, in the description for this podcast episode. Thank you to Mary Lynn Coulson, Mother Mary Lynn Coulson, Rector of St. Andrews by the City Episcopal Church for being on the pod. Mother to Fritz and George. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with Proper 18 for the first Sunday in September, September 4th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.